Then Jesus came to them and said, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you, and surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. Lord God, may the the words of my mouth and the meditations of my heart be acceptable in your sight and connect with people today to challenge, to inspire. In Jesus' name, amen. Now, I'm going to ask a question, and don't worry, the camera is not on you. Has anyone ever been to court? Oh, lots of hands. Has anyone ever been on a jury? Still quite a few hands. I'm not going to ask if you've been in the dock, okay? (laughs) But have you ever been called to be a witness? Oh, one or two folks now. I don't know about you, but it's a scary experience. Would you agree? Yeah, a few nodding heads. It really is a scary process. The first time I was called, I was really petrified. You see, what I didn't know beforehand was that when the incident happened, many months previous to the court appearance, I gave a statement to the police. I signed a statement. I thought when it came time to go to court again, I would get to see my statement again because in the interim period, and we're talking many months, life had happened. So many things had changed and I was expected to remember everything that had happened. And I had to remember it truthfully because the evidence I was going to give could possibly have an effect on the life of the person who was standing trial. That might be in a good or a bad way. So when I read verses like Acts 1 to 8, which was highlighted at the beginning of the Meadows Festival video, you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. As well, and taking that alongside the words of the Great Commission, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. So when I think of those words and thinking about being a witness, I remember back to that time when I was a witness in court, how scared I felt then. And yet Jesus is calling us to be witnesses in a different way. And I have to say for many people, it can be scary, particularly the first time or the first dozen times you do it. And yet Jesus is calling us, all of us, to be witnesses Witnesses to God's kingdom here on earth. That's quite a challenge. But then I remember that all that Jesus has been, has done has been written down for us in the Bible so that we can share it with others so that the job of being a witness 
is far easier than in a courtroom. And you can have it to hand, although not always when you're perhaps sharing a word with somebody. Two weeks ago, I spoke about Jesus sending out the 72, no luggage, no real planning beforehand, to go and speak of the good news of the kingdom. And although if we read around what it says in scripture, the planning had been done by Jesus in his training and equipping of the disciples to go and to do that same work he had been doing. We saw at the start of the service in the video how seeds can be sown through missional outreach down the park. At that service that day, I challenged people to think about how they might do mission in their lives. And I'm pleased to report that, as you saw from the photos, some folks left the church with their picnic bag that day. In fact, a large number. And they went across to help. They went to enjoy their picnic and the sunshine. But then a number stayed to help with the biscuit icing, with the crafts, with giving free hugs with some finding gifts and skills that they didn't know they had. And I'm not going to name any names, but you can ask some questions in the pillar hall when you have tea and coffee after the service, and you might find out who they were. So we're going to follow up on that today. The scripture reading for today highlights again that Jesus has called and commissioned all of us to go and make disciples of all nations. We know it as the Great Commission. But here's a snag. How many of us are doing it? I wonder if we are committing a sin of omission by not following through on Jesus' words. So, becomes a great omission when really we should be filled with the joy of Jesus and let the Great Commission do the work through us, Christ's work through us. If we come here week by week or watch online week by week, we learn about all that God has done, particularly through Jesus. But then if we don't do anything with that learning, with that teaching in our everyday lives, we are what Rick Warren refers to as self-centered consumers. Self-centered consumers who need to be turned into servant-hearted Christians. And hearing the word preached and explained, we are being equipped just as those first disciples were, to go and be witnesses. Earlier in chapter 28 of Matthew, we read in verse 10 that the two women who had gone to the tomb, originally to anoint Jesus, they became the first evangelists. Because Jesus said to them, do not be afraid, go and tell my brothers to go to Galilee where they will see me. Go and tell. They had to go and tell the disciples what had happened, what they had witnessed, and they had to make them believe it. Because, sadly, 
many women were not believed back in those days, but those women were the first evangelists. Go and tell. That's what we have been asked to do. Go and tell. That's always the hard part for us in our 21st century culture. For in telling, we might actually open ourselves up to all sorts of comments and even abuse. Because some people don't understand why we believe what we believe. In some ways, it's easier to give a stranger a hug and engage them in a conversation. Yes, faith might come into it. And while the person might not remember at the time, they might remember there were some silly, crazy people out in the meadows giving hugs, giving free biscuit icing and etc., etc. They might remember the conversation they had with some of you. Yes, faith might come into it. And we can hope and pray that at some point in their future, they will remember and come back to us. Or we can go and meet them where we are, where they are, just as the shopkeeper, uh, TCP shopkeepers do, as the TCP team do to the shopkeepers, sorry. There may be someone in our lives who wants to know more about Jesus, who might accept a prayer. Sometimes we just have to go where the Spirit leads. I was reading a commentary on Matthew's Gospel earlier this week, and I'm just going to read a quotation from it because really it hits the nail on the head for how we can be witnesses. Reeves says... Even though we didn't follow Jesus like the eleven, we believe we are able to make disciples, teaching them to obey everything Jesus commanded, because Matthew wrote it all down for us. We heard Jesus preach the Sermon on the Mount. We saw him heal the leper the centurion slave, and the paralytic. We watched as Jesus calmed the storm, cast out demons, and raised the dead girl. We are witnesses of how Matthew became a disciple, how Judas betrayed Jesus, and how the chief priests and elders handed Jesus over to the Roman governor. When we join the table of the Last Supper, as we will next week, we take his words to heart. Take and eat. This is my body. While the disciples slept, we heard him pray, my father, if it is possible, may this cup be taken from me. We winced when the disciples betrayed him. We were ashamed when his enemies mocked him. We wept when the soldiers crucified him. Most of all, we marvel over the fact that God raised him from the dead It's no wonder we act like Jesus was talking to us when he gave the Great Commission. We are witnesses of these things because the 11 disciples of Jesus were faithful to our resurrected Lord. 
I found that passage really challenging. And it challenged some of my beliefs and actually made me look at Scripture in a different light again. It's all there in our Bibles, in black and white, what Jesus did. And that should enable us to witness. The disciples were faithful to their calling, with many giving their lives in doing so. Now, we're not asking you to give your lives, although you might give yourself all of yourself. Are we being faithful to our calling? And when I say we, I don't just mean the folks who do stuff that some of us, just so some of us don't have to. And I might add, don't think that any of us are too old. Because in Genesis 17, it says, when Abraham was 99 years old, the Lord appeared to him and said, I am God Almighty. Walk before me faithfully and be blameless. Then I will make my covenant between me and you and will greatly increase your numbers. And don't think you're too young either. Some of our children are the best witnesses because they have no fear or they don't have the fear that we seem to put on ourselves as we grow older. We're all called to lead missional lives. Yes, some of us might be more proactive than others, but age or infirmity or busyness are not reasons for not playing our part. So one group which has been playing its part um, is TCP. For those who don't know, that's Toll Cross Community Pastors. And I'm going to invite two of them to come and join me now, Elaine and Judith. Hi. So we know Elaine because Elaine's just been praying. Judith is fairly new to us, but she's already hard at work and we're very grateful for that. So I did give them some preset questions to help us along. So excuse me, reading them properly because I don't want to throw them. (laughs) So when we're thinking about how we might fulfill the Great Commission or how we might play our part in the local community... That's my introduction bit. I forgot to read that. (laughs) Um, So, we've not heard anything about TCP since before COVID. Um, And there are probably people here now who think, what on earth is TCP? So, Elaine, tell us what TCP actually does. I'll just point out that it's not the stuff that you put on a sore wound, (laughs) which is what I remember from childhood, the stinginess of TCP. Um, yes, so, well, we carry on the tradition of TCP, which is to go out fortnightly to visit the neighbours. Um, we have a list of 22 shops that we go in regularly to see. Um, we go on, uh, on a Friday uh, in the afternoon. We go for coffee first, and then we go out to visit. We rotate around the coffee shops because we feel that we ought to spread our business around a bit, um, at the moment, the comb is having difficulty 
because of all the works at the King's Theatre, so there's, there's less business coming in there. So presently we're going to the comb for our coffee. Um, we produce a newsletter. We Well, I have produced one newsletter. Before me, there have been lots of newsletters. <laughs> um, <clears throat> and uh, they just um, are little pieces of news that help to keep the neighbours informed about each other because they are interested in each other. They're working together for the same purpose. Um, and so we flag up uh, shops that are closing or new shops that have come. Um, we also put in a bit of news. Yeah. We put in a bit of news about ourselves because I feel that our friendship should be reciprocal. Um, it's not all about us finding out about them. It's also us showing our vulnerabilities um, to the shopkeepers. Um, and in fact, when there was a possibility of closure, and we mentioned that, um, one of the shopkeepers was all for getting a petition together because they would really miss us. They said, you can't go. <laughs> so they were going to get, uh, gather a group and get a p- petition on our behalf, <laughs> which was very kind of them. Um, another, <laughs> another special thing, which is uh, unfortunately Barbara Roberts, who's a member of the team, can't be here today but she's very creative and crafty and she makes beautiful little gifts and at special times Easter and Christmas um, we give each of the shopkeepers a gift um, on behalf of the church Um, we also finally have one-off events Um, we had an event which I think some of you here came to which was great Um, it was organized with the Historic Environment Scotland and Helen Wolpert Um, who normally should actually be in this chair because she has (laughs) looked after TCP for a number of years but for personal reasons she's drawing back for the moment but I hope she comes back soon Um, so she organised that event and it was very, very uh, successful we thought Um, it brought the church and the community together and then during Covid we had Zoom events um, which you Elaine organised fun events um, just to try and show a friendly face in the neighbourhood. So how, how do the shopkeepers respond to your visits? Well, they look for us coming. It's, it's quite, quite lovely, really. And they notice if we haven't been for a while. They say, oh, we haven't been in to see us for a little while. Because I have to say that we don't manage to get around all 22 shops on one afternoon. Um, so we do as many as we can in the hour and a half that we have. Um, <clears throat> I think the church is a big landmark for the neighbourhood. You know, they are more conscious of us than we are of them. And I think we have to um, just work a bit harder, perhaps, at, at getting to know them, because we're obvious, but they're all sitting in their little shops, um, all individuals doing their own business, and, yeah. And, of course, these people are unable to come to church on a Sunday because they're all working. Well, no, a lot of shops close, actually, on a Sunday. They do. But one thing I've realised is that they're also like us in the, in the way that most of us commute into this area. Not many of us actually live in this neighbourhood. We come from a distance. You know, we take a bus or we bike or we um, take the car and we come here. It's actually the same for a lot of the shops. A lot of the shops have their business here, but they live elsewhere in the city. Um, so, no, the shops are often shut on a Sunday. Um, I just know a number are, yeah. are still working on a yeah. Sunday. 
it's obvious from what you're saying that there's a real sense of community that has been built up over the years uh, with the shopkeepers, yeah. Judith, you're sitting there quietly and... Um, <laughs> All right. So tell us uh, what you think about this community with the shopkeepers then. Yeah, well, um, I just uh, recently joined the church last year and... Um, I thought this would be a good thing to be involved in. Um, I think there definitely is a sense of community because, you know, they all look out for each other. It's a bit of a, a family of shopkeepers. And maybe I, I should say one of the reasons I got involved with TCP was I picked up a leaflet in the Pillar Hall and I thought, you know, that's right up my street. Um, my dad had a menswear shop in Belfast as I was growing up. Uh, I used to help in the holidays. I used to help with doing windows. Um, so I know what it's like to have that retail experience in the family. Somebody who works Saturdays, maybe Sundays. There's not always a regular income. Um, you don't have a pension. You need to do that yourself, all your tax. Lots of people know this, what it's like being self-employed. Um, and also just that, you know, things like Christmas are a big opportunity to sell. Um, my husband also has been involved in retail as well, um, working in John Lewis and various places. Um, and again, it's just that sort of awareness um, that there is a community with other shopkeepers. So, for instance, in this area, um, there's a new bar restaurant open next door called Patron Saint. And I haven't visited it yet, but I did look up their website just to see about them. And it actually says on their website that they chose the name Patron Saint because they share a wall with the church. They're actually right next door. <laughs> Who knew? Um, they then get their coffee from Modern Standard Coffee, who's up the road, and in exchange they give them barista training. Um, Morse Dolce, which is the shop across from us here that sells ice cream and coffee, um, when it opened, it was a bit slow. Business was a bit slow for Arshad, the owner, um, and other people were looking out for him in the area. Um, on a more serious note, um, when one of the shopkeepers heard of a sudden death in her family, um, she actually went to a neighbouring shop for support, first off. So, thank you. So, I know that the group supports each other but can you explain how you do that because not everyone does um, well we work hard at friendship our friendship so we make time for each other um, we um, in the summer especially when TCP isn't on and we aren't meeting we like to go for walks together we also have read quite a few books together at the moment we're on Pilgrim's Progress which you might think would be deadly dull but it's actually really great um, so yes, we we share our lives together. Yeah, friendship's important. 
It strengthens us as well. And final question, what can we as a church do to support the work of TCP? Well, I've given that some thought, and I've got four things, four general things I thought the church could maybe help with. Obviously, prayer. Prayer is really um, essential for this kind of work, for any kind of work in the church. Um, To pray for us, uh, because we all have our own personal difficulties, our own personal circumstances that we're dealing with. Um, So we need your prayers. Um, We always pray before we go out um, to visit, or we try to anyway. But also to pray for our neighbours. And and that brings me to presence. I think it's very important that the church has a visible presence in the neighbourhoods, that we actually get out there and frequent the shops. And what I was thinking was that I was going to bring this up at the learning community, but since we're not having the learning community, that we could each adopt a shop. You know, we don't need to do the 22 shops, the whole neighbourhood. We could just find one shop that we had a personal affinity for or just a, a fellow feeling for and, um, and make a point of going in there from time to time and becoming a Kent face in the shop because it can be very lonely for the shopkeepers. Um, they're sitting in their little corners and sometimes you know, hardly anybody comes in during the day. So that's something simple and very precious that we could do for them, I think. Um, I remember one one time when we were going round, somebody thanked us for bringing good cheer to the neighbourhood. So it's just you know a friendly face, a smile, an interest in what they're doing because they're interested in us. So a presence and a friendship, and remembering that friendship is two way. Um, I think initially when I joined the group, there was a lot of um, because we were trying to get around everybody. It was kind of hello and goodbye and a very quick visit. But the friendships have deepened over time because I think we don't just ask how they are. When they ask how we are, we give them some of our news of what the church is doing because um, friendship always has to be two-way. And the last thing I would suggest the church can do is to, in in the forward planning of the church, of our church, that we consider the neighbourhood in our plans because um, we are in a neighbourhood. Um, we are part of this family in Toll Cross um, and that we should really be considering their needs when we're considering our own needs and draw them in. Um, one of the difficulties that we've become more aware of is how hard it is to make a living here because the, the rates go up and the footfall drops. And over this last year, there have been six or seven closures of shops, changing, changing hands. You know, people come in with lots of enthusiasm and uh, bright faces, and then you know the business doesn't get established because there's not enough footfall. So we have a brilliant facility here that we could maybe make more use of for the benefit of the shopkeepers. Um, and, and just taking that into account when making plans. Um, just one final thing um, about the because it's something I kind of feel a bit strongly about is the the Meadows Festival I, I think it's great that the church takes part in that, it's a wonderful thing 
and it takes lots of planning and effort to do it. But when we've come round the shops and we say, have you heard about the Meadows Festival? Are you going to the Meadows Festival? Quite a few of them didn't even know it was on. So that's something practical I think we could do is share, because I'm sure there's, you know, it's not an easy process probably to become part of the Meadows Festival. You've got to know how it works and forms you have to fill in and what you have to pay and so on. We could even um, help to inform our neighbours um, because the only shop that I know that took part in the Meadows Festival was Jules and they didn't do terribly well um, there uh, but, but they made the effort to go so that's something practical One other practical thing TCP need your help because it's a very small group who go out and visit you're free on a Friday afternoon and you like blethering and you like browsing round wee shops, why not speak to Elaine and Judith after the service and say, can we come out and see what you do? It doesn't take much work, really. Um, I did it myself for years. Um, but it's a fun thing to do and the shopkeepers really appreciate it. And in doing that, we are witnessing as a church to our community. So think about joining. But we have other missional groups, and I'm going to speak about them. But in the meantime, thank you, Elaine and Judith. Give them a round of applause.